The following is a true story and contains graphic details of a gruesome crime. Details may not be suitable for all listeners. A quick reminder that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. September 17, 2020 will mark 40 years since the Carla and Vicky's murders have walked free. Hey, Lainey, how are you? I am doing well. I, um, I'm excited to talk to you today. I feel like we have a lot of good things to talk about. I know. It's been a very long time. And um, even though we've been in the state of COVID and quarantine, things are opening up. Um, I feel like things are still going on. Like investigations are still happening and things are moving forward. So I'm feeling very positive about about hopefully still making some headway and progress with um, Carla and Vicky's situation. I think so. I think um, I think things are able to move along. Mm. I mean, I know people are still calling us. I know we're still getting tips and leads. And I think um, even though we've been a little dark and a little quiet for some time, I sometimes um, silence can speak in volumes, right? Yeah, no, totally. Have you heard of any like, new tips or questions that have come up recently? I have actually. So, you know, that picture we posted on, um, on our Facebook page. So I'm not sure all of our listeners get all of our social media. So it's kind of funny. So some of our listeners and followers follow all of our social media, but don't necessarily listen to the podcast. And so everybody on the podcast doesn't necessarily follow all of our social media and vice versa. So, um, to catch everyone up on our social media page, we posted a picture of um, a TBI agent by the name of Steve Watkins. And we were wondering, he was in a picture with, um, well, I guess I got to backtrack a little bit. We posted a video of a news article or a news feed with Larry Britton. And that was uh, shortly after the girls went missing. And also featured Margie Nell. It was the first time we ever featured Margie Nell. And I thought that was important for all of our um, listeners and all of, you know, everyone following the case to see Margie Nell for the first time. Did you think so? Yeah. And by the way, just, just so everybody knows, Margie Nell is um, Carla and Vicky's mother. I thought that was important for everybody to see her for the first time. What did you think? Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I mean, it was important for me too. I, it was so heartfelt and I thought that was, um, Really nice to see. And so that photo featured Larry Britton, the reporter from that um, new segment, um, and it uh, David uh, Sheriff David Hicks. And it also featured this TBI agent by the name of Steve, Steve Watkins, TBI agent Steve Watkins. So we started hearing a lot about this agent Steve Watkins and, like, where did he fit into this? And people started telling us, like, he disappeared after that. And so we asked on our social media site, where did this Steve Watkins come from and where did he go? Um, and so we asked and we received. So we received um, a Potneck news article um, on Steve Watkins. Um, so ironically, a lot of people inquired about this a long time ago. And so we thought we'd actually read you an article that we received on the Potneck news story. Um, so Lainey, do you want to read a little bit about, like start that off and we can kind of read some of that yeah totally so I'll, I'll just um start by sharing the editor's note 
that this story was relayed to the Potneck News, um, and they were relaying it to their readers with the hope that the truth shall make us free. Um, the source for the story is undisputed. The character of the source exemplary. So um, the Potnik News invited its readers to look at the story with a scrutinizing eye and put themselves in the relator's place. So the following that we're going to share with you um, from the Potnik News, again, this is from the Potnik News, is the firsthand account of the last words of Hugh Allen Heflin. Um, and we'll, we'll start off by saying drugs, the Dixie Mafia, and the death of Hugh Allen Heflin. And it all began in the summer of 1987, July to be exact. Hugh Allen Heflin was beaten up by a Tennessee state trooper for absolutely nothing. He was not arrested at the time. Other than his parents, um, this person who wrote the article was the first one to see him after the beating. His eyes were both swollen shut and his head was swollen. We all encouraged Hugh Allen Heflin to file a complaint with the TBI and the FBI, which he did. At that time, he made a passionate plea to his family. Hugh Allen Heflin told his family just weeks before he died, if I ever have to go back to jail, send me to federal prison, send me to state prison, send me to any place, but for God's sake, please don't send them don't let them send me back to Stewart County Jail, because if they do, I'm a dead man. Why would Hugh Allen Heflin make such a statement? My mind goes back in time to a warm September afternoon in 1987 when, as a teenager, and again, this is from the Potnag News, I was told things by Hugh Allen that I never wanted or expected to know. This would be my last conversation with Hugh Allen Heflin. To my knowledge, it is the last conversation Hugh Allen Heflin had with anybody he trusted. And it is my belief that this information is what caused him to be found in the Stewart County Jail. His hands and feet were tied together. A rag was stuffed in his mouth and his feet were touching the floor. And hanging, strangled around the neck, with bed sheets until nearly dead. This is the information Hugh Allen Heflin shared with me in our last conversation. And before I go into the next part, I will say that Hugh Allen Heflin was um, confirmed committed suicide um, in Stewart County Jail in, um, I guess, 1987, right? Mm -hmm. This is the information Hugh Allen Heflin shared with me in our last conversation. There is an agent working within Stewart County Sheriff's Department whose name is Steve Watkins. So, Amelia, just right there, it's like Steve Watkins. Yeah, this is where it comes in. Mm -hmm. This is comes into place. Steve Watkins owns a Cessna Cherokee 140 that he keeps in a hangar in Henry County. This officer of Stewart County according to Hugh Allen, allegedly flew drugs into Henry County for years and then sold them to high-level dealers in Stewart County. After the bulk of the money and profit was collected, the remainder of the drugs were then distributed to several Patsy dealers throughout the county. These drugs 
would be allowed to circulate and money was accumulated. These patsy dealers would then be arrested and their money and what was left of their drugs confiscated. They would be locked up for a period of time only to be released to start the cycle again or the drugs would be distributed to a new set of patsy dealers. This revolving door of circulating drug money and circulating inmates was at its height in 1985 and 1986, the year before Hugh Allen Heflin was murdered or he passed away in jail. According to Hugh Allen Heflin, this organization compromised what or comprised what we now know as the Stewart County Dixie Mafia. According to family members, this is why Hugh Allen was killed. Many people say that a wrongful death lawsuit could be filed and won against the Stewart County Sheriff and jail in the death of Hugh Allen Heflin. And that Stewart County Sheriff was David Hicks, right? Yeah. No, totally. Okay. You're right. Um, who just passed away this past December. Um, the Tennessee State Trooper that was named in the complaint filed by Hugh Allen Heflin in July of 1987, placed a post-it note on the complaint case file that stated, you can drop the charges against me because Heflin is dead. The source of this story, especially once this, this fact printed on the pages of the Potnick News, to substantiate the family's members, the family members' claims that a conspiracy of hate and intimidation was instigated against Mr. Heflin for some reason, by law enforcement long before he died, this ownership by the trooper of there even being a case filed in the first place, and the fact that he was a particularly he was particularly named in it satisfies the family's claims of injustice. The owner of the Cessna Cherokee 140, Steve Watkins, has now vanished into the Florida sunshine. His alibi the day that Hugh Allen Heflin was murdered is that he was actually, incredibly, flying his Cessna Cherokee 140. No one knows where he is now. Many claim that Steve Watkins is a ghost, and they hope he remains a ghost, because when he shows up, they claim that mysterious things happen. It was Steve Watkins that came to Hugh Allen Heflin's house one day to talk to him for reasons unknown to the family. It was also Steve Watkins who was a central figure in the later investigation of the Atkins Stout murders. That's where it ties back to our situation. Okay, right. The source of the Potneck News story above finishes with the pledge, they took your voice from you far too soon, Hugh Allen Heflin. I made a promise to you then, and I intend to do my best to keep it now and give you back your voice. They will not silence you now. Wow, Okay. That is where Steve Watkins comes in. And that's why everyone wants to know where Steve Watkins is and how he comes into play here. Totally. So I think the interesting thing here, Amelia, and I mean, other things that we've heard, which ties back to Carla and Vicky are some of the theories that may have been going on or what they may have been involved in, which tie back to some of the potential motives of their murders. Mm -hmm. One being, what was Steve Watkins doing with his Cessna mm -hmm. and the, the drug trafficking that could have potentially been going on? Okay. And so let's talk about possible 
theories. And that leads me to another call I received and another tip I received. Um, we received another phone call that told us the girls could have possibly have been involved in a possible drug ring. Now, we know that the girls in their autopsy report did not have drugs in their system. Now, that's something we didn't find out for sure. Do drugs stay in your system over a period of time? We don't know that for sure, right? We don't know that for sure. Like, if the body is decomposed, would drugs stay in your system? We're assuming that they would be in the same state that they were when the death occurred, but we're not 100% sure about that. Okay, so if we heard that poss- the girls could have possibly been tied up with a drug ring. Now, Carla was only 14. Vicky is 16 at the time. And we know that their brother, Randy, had been tied up with drugs. Uh, Vicky's boyfriend, Randall, had been tied up with drugs. So maybe the girls saw some things um, that they shouldn't have seen and or could have possibly been doing drugs. We don't know. Um, teenagers sometimes can get tied up in things, especially in the 80s. We know that... Drugs have been, you know, running rampant throughout the country. I don't know what was happening in Dover at the time. So I don't know what the girls were involved in at the time. But what we did hear, um, and this is just another theory, and maybe someone can tell us after they hear this what they know, that the girls were tied up in a drug ring. Now, this is just an alternate theory. So if they were involved in a drug ring and that this is what they died over. Did they simply die over drugs? Is that what happened to the girls? And this now could possibly tie back to what we're hearing about um, just simply maybe they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. So wait, wait. So what are you saying? Are you saying, Amelia, that they particularly were drug runners or a, a step in the process of drug distribution and that they were murdered because either they didn't have the drugs that were needed or that there was a drug deal gone wrong type situation. So what um, a caller told me is that when they showed up to a particular place um, to someone, they did not have the amount of drugs they were supposed to have. And they were simply killed because they didn't have what they were supposed to have when they arrived. So kind of a more drug deal kind of gone wrong ish. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, that they didn't acquire what they were supposed to have. Hmm. I don't know. I I mean, that's, that doesn't even sound plausible to me. Um, Yeah. I, um, I, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. That seems like I, um, a little bit of a stretch with, you know, with regards to the girls that they were 14 and 16. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about if the girls were selling drugs, we all know that the girls didn't seem to have, I mean, they weren't making money off of drugs. They didn't seem to have a lot of money on them at the time. They didn't have a lot of nice things. They didn't own a lot of nice things. So they weren't making money off of what they were selling. Right. And, and, and Vicky being 16, she could have had her license at that point. And she obviously didn't own a car. So, um, so yeah, to your point, it's not like they were super making a ton of money off of any type of drug deals or, 
Right. I don't know if they were being made to, I don't know if the appropriate word is they were, they were mules. I don't know if they were being made to run money. Um, I mean, run drugs. I don't know if, I don't know if drugs was, is the answer in this case. I mean, what are people killed for right now? Or at the time, even sex, drugs, money. Is it all the above? Or is it one of the three? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Now, um, so, I mean, we've talked about drugs and I mean, what, and we've talked about the fact that they have no money. So what do you think about the, the, the sex option and, um, any, any information that you've heard on that side? Well, I also heard a little bit about the same thing. Um, and I don't really, in my own opinion, I don't believe that as well. I kind of heard the same thing that the girls were involved and also maybe a sex ring, a prostitution ring, um, that, that they were also involved with a lot of people in the same town. But we would have, I think we would have heard more about that, that the two girls, along with many other people in the town, in the county, um, that there were a lot of important people in the town that were coming to the girls um, for sex. Hmm. I don't know if that's why there's a lot of people that have stayed quiet um, about what happened, about what happened to the girls. And uh, I asked, oh, were, the, were these two girls the only girls were involved in this ring? And this caller told me, no, that a lot of other girls were involved. Now, I don't believe that at all because I think we would have heard more about this. Hmm. Yeah. You know what, Amelia, I kind of go back to your comments about the drug ring too. And I mean, I would love for anybody that has any information on this to, to definitely reach out to us privately and let us know um, what they know, but I'm kind of in the same boat of the, the, the drug ring. Like if there was some kind of prostitution ring, they would have had some sort of money flashiness, something to show for it. And right. it doesn't seem like the girls based on all the information, the digging that we've done, mm-hmm. it seems like they were independent. Obviously they were, probably more mature beyond their years, but not necessarily in a sexual or drug way, but more just on a independence kind of way. Right. Um, But again, you know, I would love if there was any, any additional information anybody could share on either of those, those potential theories that could shed light on it. I, again, I, I, agree with you. I don't think that there's much additional kind of periphery information that kind of points to the fact that they were getting money from some sort of secret source. I agree. I agree with that as well. Like I, no part of me believes that I don't know. I, I, I can't, well, I guess I, I wouldn't say no part of me believes it, but I can't imagine they were part of a prostitution ring or part of a drug ring I just think there would have been money somewhere. And I yes. don't know that they were killed for it. I don't know. I would love to hear other people's theories. I would love to hear if there's an alternate theory um, or if there's any theories we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. 
that people believe. This is actually like a great episode for everyone to tell us what, you know, to come back and give us like what they think, what theory that they think is the best, um, you know, the best one we've talked about, like what, you know, what rabbit hole we've gone down that they think is the best one uh, that they think is most plausible. Yeah, especially people who knew the girls, who knew um, Steve Watkins, who knew um, potentially David Hicks, who knew players in the time period of law enforcement that when this took place. I feel like there's definitely some additional information, even if you don't think it's pertinent, any information, any color on character, personality, um yeah and you know some more about tim webb and his suicide you know um a little bit more about you know some more about why you know his guilty conscience and like why if you know you really feel um why he wanted to commit suicide um you know there's another piece i wanted to read um to you that was in the pot night news and i feel like this will really this really will touch home, you know, touch home base with everyone there in Stewart County. This was a piece that um, was, I think it was posted on October 24th, 2013. Um, this is, again, was part from the author of the Potneck News. Um, it said, in the past weeks and months, Potneck News and the brave others, you know who you are, have used extraordinary measures, spoken extraordinary things, and taken extraordinary risks to peel back the layers of the mystery that surrounds the deaths of Carla Sue Atkins and Vicki Lee Stout. Many have asked why. What were these girls to Potneck News? What were they to investigative journalist David Ross? Why do you risk your own safety? Don't you know that you are going against a very strong, very powerful, and very corrupt system? Why? Because these girls were our sisters. These girls were our daughters. These girls, our cousins, our nieces, and our friends. These girls were Stuart Countyans. That's why. And they deserve better than what they got from us 33 years ago. And this was written again um, in 2013. If we don't protect these children by trying against all odds to find their killer or killers, whose children will be next? to be savagely murdered and left for dead in some secluded, wooded area of Stewart County, only to be forgotten and labeled by the authorities as runaways. Will we, as Stewart Countyans, continue to bow down to this widely accepted corruption, or will we, as Stewart Countyans, say enough, no more? Wow. So again, someone sent us all of the Potneck News um, articles, and they're all, you know, very powerful. And I think that um, with a lot of questions. Yeah, I totally agree, Amelia. There's um, there's a lot of questions, and I think that the the statement that you just read and the quotes that you just read makes you realize that. This is a this is a really really tight knit community. They care for each other and they care about the outcome of this case. Again, and that's you know one reason I'm really happy we got to go down there, Lainey, and like see 
um, Dover and Stewart County, you got to see like how much everybody cares for everybody and still thinks about Carla and Vicky. Yeah, they do. They, they really do care about the outcome of this. They have genuine love for the family and they want to, as a community, make sure that this is brought to justice. And if you go back and like you read like all the news articles and you really do like research like we have done, you can see how much David Ross has put into this and like how many times like people have like, you know, you know, dismissed all the work he's done and how much work everybody has done to try to find um, answers for these girls. And I just think it's time like someone really comes forward and like, you know, finds out who who did this. Yeah. No, I agree. And I hope that given everything that's going on right now, everybody across the country has had a little bit of a break pushed or a pause pushed in their life, whether they, they needed it, whether they wanted it just because of the um, coronavirus situation. And our hope is that this has given some space and some breathing room to investigate and to hone in on next steps for really identifying who the the person is that committed these crimes so we i mean honestly we can't thank everyone enough for everything you have done and we want you all to know everything is moving in the right directions. I mean, we really hope and we know that, you know, authorities are, you know, we really hope authorities are taking all the right steps and we really have faith that um, everybody's doing all the right things. Um, so we can't thank you all for everything you've done for us and sending us, you know, all the tips you've sent us. So keep them coming. Uh, we're putting everything to good use. So even if we go quiet, sometimes you have to, believe us we're doing the best we can to put it all in the right direction yes and even if we are if we haven't put out a podcast for a week or two you have some new information believe me amelia and i are always listening so please share it in any way possible yeah i think um i think that's all we have for today but we have um yeah, there's a lot, still a lot going on. And then we have, um, what else do you think, Lainey? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as we go right now, I think that's all we have for tonight. But um, we definitely will bring additional information to you as soon as we have it. No, yeah, we definitely just wanted to come on and say hello to everybody, basically. But we, um, this might be the most, un- like, what do you want to say? Like impromptu episode we've ever done. Um, I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so it was great to um, just come here and say hello. And yeah, that was really fun. Way to go. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's staying safe and staying healthy. Okay. Well, all right. Well, keep them coming and we'd love to hear from you. So even if you want to, um, just come on and say hello to any of us. You can do, hey, you know what, Lainey, I did one day? I don't want to call out anyone. I'm not saying anybody's name. I don't even know if you know this, Lainey. Oh, great. I, I love it when you tell me new things. I know. I got on 
a um call one time what do you call it a um conference call well like a conference call but we all saw each other oh uh, uh, uh like a zoom i got call. on a zoom call with a group of people one time recently i will not say any names mm-hmm. but i got on a zoom call with a group of people like a fan like a like a fan group oh from the from murder land between the lights group of people and, and chatted. Tell us. It was so much fun. So so wait, was this like a one time thing, or was it like you were a special guest on a like a Zoom call, or what was well, the? It, give us a little bit of lay of the land. Well, it was a one time. It was a one time thing for me, but I think they do it sometimes. I think they do it a lot, but I, it was a one time thing. I just jumped on with them one time, and it was so much fun. Wait, so do you mean that they do it like every time we release an episode, they talk about it? I think so. Oh, wow. I want to hear their feedback. You have to get them to share their feedback <laughs> on a regular basis. They could have their own little segment within our show. I, I know. That would be good, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so much fun. They're probably going to kill me for saying that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. I, I'm so excited to hear that because you know what that means to me, Amelia? It means that people are listening and people are taking the information and they're really trying to digest it and figure out how we can move this case forward. Because at the end of the day, that is our ultimate goal. Right. Well, yeah, as long as everybody is still listening and sharing information and talking with each other, um, I think that is like what's most important is that people are really, really digesting everything we say. And then when they talk with each other and then what really happens is like, Lainey, again, we talked about this over and over. We're not there. We weren't there when it happened and we were, you know, pretty young at the time, but Uh everybody that's still living there, when they're talking amongst each other, they may remember what did happen. And then, you know, what we we talk about all the time is that, and then we actually talked about this at the time is that when we get corrected and we talked about this with the male too, I know I'm jumping around, but when we get corrected, that's one of the things that's actually pretty amazing about this whole podcast in general is when we get called out on when we say something wrong, that means everybody's really listening. <laughs> and yeah. That means that like someone knows that they know when to tell us when we did something wrong or when we said something wrong. And that means that like, no, 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 no. This is actually how it really happened. Yeah. I like to say that we throw those things in there on purpose, just to kind of <laughs> like check to make sure people are listening, but that's not the case always. <laughs> Right. But, but at the end of the day, it does mean everyone is listening and paying attention and talking amongst each other. And then they can say like, Hey, I need to call Betty down the street. And then she may remember it. And so then when they don't remember they can just keep playing telephone with each other. And someone may actually come up with something that's actually very vital and very important. So. Mm-hmm. Which has happened. So, um, so thank you guys all for listening. All right. I know I'm rambling, but I'm actually like really excited about this episode, even though it might not be the most important one, but I am excited that we pulled it together at the last minute. And it is like extremely, I have no paperwork in front of me except for the quotes. So this was very fun. (laughs) I agree. I really enjoyed this, Amelia. I hope everybody else did too. And uh, we look forward to bringing you more information when we have it. And please, please, please share with us any 
insight that you may have on a drug ring, prostitution ring, anything that was going on in Dover at that time that the girls may have been involved in. All right, you guys. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Murder at Land Between the Lakes. This is an Anchor production, hosted and edited by Lainey Sullivan and Amelia Courtney at Discrepancy Podcast.